Welcome, one and all, to Strange New Worlds, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial Star Trek podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hailing frequencies are open. Hello, Matt. Hello, listeners. Here today to talk season one of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Matt, it seems like only yesterday we attended the gold carpet premiere in New York City. We had Anson Mount right behind us. We had Rebecca Romaine at our six, Ethan Peck, the whole cast. And now the season is finished and we don't have any Star Trek for like six, seven weeks. Well, and Pete, that's as good a starting point as any uh, news from the fleet, of course. Uh, within the last week, they announced that Lower Decks will return on Thursday, August 25th. Um, a, not super surprising, given as how the first two seasons have premiered in August as well. I had wondered if maybe they were going to take the opportunity to to see if little Paramount Plus can, 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 can go out there in the middle of the pool all by itself itself without any star trek and the answer was oh we'll, we'll go six weeks without star trek let's bring some star trek back just just to be really safe also new episodes of evil uh, are, are out now so you could enjoy that when you consider that this last week when strange new worlds um streamed its season one finale we had gone since early november consecutive weeks with star trek with an episode gotta be a record of some sort um okay let let's let's lay a little fallow ground uh selfishly matt i think for our purposes given that we got she hulk coming up uh that we have andor coming up that they they dropped uh star trek uh lower decks smack in the middle of those two dates it's going to be a super busy fall that's all right that's what we do uh might have preferred that they'd wait a little longer but maybe that means picards after that although we keep hearing early 2023 well i think certainly more news uh coming from san diego comic-con which uh, Pete, if you want to talk about now or in a bit but my expectation is the next time we talk Star Trek after this podcast uh, in a post San Diego Comic-Con uh, time frame, my assumption is we're going to have at least dates for the next live action Star Trek, if not further. Well, I mean, we're going to have Picard, Lower Decks and uh, Strange New Worlds all with a presence there. Um Panel is Saturday, July 23rd from 12.45 to 2.15 p.m. That's all Pacific time. So I, I think that bet is right and see a little bit more of what the final season of Picard season three will look like. But Lower Decks, their third season, our first two seasons of uh, Lower Decks Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek up there, not on that show. And they're the live action people that keep to the live action. But there are people that feel that is the best Star Trek that has come out of this new era, which I think is saying a lot at this point now. Uh, so it's never too late. And you can fill these weeks where you don't have any. I've seen a lot of people in Strange New Worlds withdrawal uh, hit up the lower decks. Who knows what kind of in-jokes they might make towards Pike and company in season three. 
yeah, can't can't wait to personally revisit seasons one and two. Uh, what's nice is you know those half hour episodes you can go through twenty episodes pretty easily, uh, and then resume watching and podcasting lower decks. Pete, indeed, as there is kind of a, a podcast changing of the guard here. Uh, just yesterday, we talked the last episode, uh, at least of the first season, for Ms. Marvel. And uh, some really high marks for that episode. And looking forward to doing a season wrap next weekend. Boy, did they uh, advertise correctly when they said it would change the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So if you're with us over there on that side of the fence, make sure you check that out. And what I'm alluding to, our season wrap will be Saturday, July 23rd. And uh, we will be setting up our She-Hulk Attorney at Law uh, podcast feed in the next week and a half or so. Uh, Definitely looking forward to that show premiering on uh, August 17th. Uh, Pete, here's how the pod gods are being kind. Uh, She-Hulk being billed as a kind of half-hour action comedy. So when we do get into September and it's half-hour She-Hulk, half-hour Lower Decks, and presumably closer to an hour uh and or episodes at least there'll be those two half hours to get, cut us a little slack here uh and, and not uh you know not not strain our voices too much we survived our june boon here so uh bring on the uh fall feast maybe we'll call that there uh either way super happy to have you along with us listeners so pete let's now go back in time to february 2021 when Star Trek Strange New Worlds started filming, uh, had uh, done the shoot there from February to July. And, um, I mean, Pete, usually as we prepare for one of these uh, season-ending podcasts, it's always like, all right, well, we're going to talk about the great stuff first and then got to address some of the areas where it fell short. Uh, I was looking over this episode list. I, I don't know where the one is that gets my usual comment of, it's clearly middle of the season. They're clearly tired. <laughs> Maybe this was done before, you know, a, a break, you know, in the traditional broadcast model, you know, before the Christmas holiday break. This is a solid season from top to bottom. It's funny that you say that. Initially, I was kind of cool on their sixth episode, Lift Us Up, where suffering cannot reach the the one that ends on the downer. But I, I think that it is gotten better on rewatch um but yeah i mean there there's not a one that you can identify as a total stinker right off the bat not that that's the case with the other series but you know look there's ebbs and flows there's highs and lows all of that you know you you look at all the flavors that we checked in this first season you know we got the the horror one we got the you know, uh, Elysian Kingdom one, you know, hijinks on the Enterprise. Uh, I mean, the Serene Squall stands out for all that you had there with the Dr. Aspen um, Angel, Captain Angel character. And then, you know, the stinger at the end with Cybok. Um, There's an awful, awful lot to like. Star Trek has always been, of course, aspirational. Um, but I think that sometimes we forget that it is descriptive of the world we live in, not prescriptive for a world 
that we can get to. Uh, again, I think we we as a species may reach the Star Trek times, but Star Trek is not some holy uh, text that tells us how to get there. And I do think that to, to see, uh, perhaps unintentionally, to see our world reflected in lift us where suffering cannot reach and kind of the conclusion is, yeah, sometimes the system is really broken and we don't have an answer. Um, again, that's not the most uplifting uh, take that Star Trek can give, but it's also one that Star Trek has visited from time to time. And similarly, I've found myself thinking, um, perhaps finding meaning that's meant to be there, perhaps not, but to think back to that season finale with Equality of Mercy and the central lesson there is sometimes you need the person in charge who is the kind, thoughtful, guiding hand, and sometimes you need somebody who's ready to punch back and who lets you know they're going to punch back if you punch first, that kind of thing. Again, both of those episodes, I kind of take I take some meaning towards the, the world that we are in right now, and neither episode is telling us a way to get through this world, but it's it's part of my mental conversation with trying to make sense of where we're at in life right now. Yeah. And, you know, both in the metaphor and then in terms of, you know, giving each of these characters space to breathe those that we knew coming in, those that were just meeting for the first time, you know, I was really kind of impressed how much of the show, particularly early on they put on christina chong's laon and you know though we only get a glimpse of her real quick and it's in a alternate time crystal future in the finale you know the the step forward her character makes and you know what her trajectory is into season two because oh matt they they sent her away off the ship we'll never see her again except in the camera phone picture taken on the streets of toronto with uh james t kirk actor paul wesley yeah and as i've uh, as i said before uh rather as i said last week hearing that quote from akiva goldsman um that it's episodic stories but serial characters it makes sense to have for example as you're saying makes sense to have laon saying i'm leaving and i don't know when i'll come back i I think that even viewers who don't know she's already shot footage for season two like i i don't think anybody really feels like she's gone and not coming back like this is some sort of you know trap door for the actress to leave um just the idea that it's showing personal progress and Again, episode 201 may be six months later, and she's like, boy, what a crazy adventure I went on. Let's do a La'an episode showing how the six the last six months went. You know, we, point being, we could pick up right where we left off um, if, if that's the, uh, the decision of those in charge. What they did with Rebecca Romaine's uh, number one, Una Chin-Riley in... You know, making her a regular on the show and, you know, by that third episode where you learn of her genetically altered um, nature and then by the end of the season having her taken away from Enterprise, you know, giving us season two, the, the search for Una and 
the search for on to finish her search and come back to the enterprise. Um, you know, really can't wait for when this date, uh, to stream these second season episodes is going to be. Well, I think that part of what you were speaking to is the idea that most of these characters have a really great and established trajectory for when season two kicks off. Now, I don't think episode 201 is going to be Pike in the courtroom drama for number one, while Spock has a family thing to resolve Cybok, while Laon <laughs> comes on back. Just my point being, these are all itches that we have. Um, and the notion that we could spend, theoretically, we could spend the first half of season two saying, you know, uh, what you know, what is that courtroom drama episode? What is the Spock crazy family episode and so forth? Uh, looking down this list, I mean, I don't know that Ortegas has, a, Ortegas does not have trajectory at the moment. Seems like a great opportunity. Maybe episode yeah. 201, we're expecting all these other things and it's, it's, you know, Ortegas, we have terrible news. You know, your twin has died or something like that. And you go, oh, wow, we really get to know this character better. I think similarly, Chapel, we don't have a great, we don't have as great a read on, um, I, and for all of them, these are these are all opportunities to either get to know them better or to address uh, where these characters are already headed. I think we have a better read on Chapel than we do on Ortegas at this point. Yes, a lot of Chapel's, you know, backstory is kind of the yearning on Spock, and that's fine. We know, and and they're you know taking their time to tell the story of why Christine Chapel and Spock had this closer association in the original series. But, you know, with um, Erica Ortegas here, easily a jumping off point to learn some more there. If nothing more, Matt, for the epic way that Melissa Navia is taking down um, bigots on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, it's great to see that she's not holding back. She's been she's been acting for a while. She's been on you know various levels of uh, of success, you know, on, on Billions, uh, on Showtime, on the AMC series Dietland and so forth, but clearly this is her biggest um her her, her biggest entry into uh TV and big audiences and so on and so forth. And here she is just fighting on back, you know, not resting on her laurels, knowing that season two is in the can and season three, gee whiz, Pete, is going to maybe be announced next weekend. <laughs> and yeah, take take the fight to these people. I mean, my goodness, if you're rude enough to be critical of her acting and to tag her on Twitter as you do so, well, then you deserve a response. If you want to keep it a bit more private, you could say, oh, I think the I think the Ortegas actress, you know, blah, 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 share your share your opinion. But She's she's jumping into the conversation and that's fantastic. Yeah, and I can't wait to learn more about her character. I mean, listen, we we got I, I think uh, enough to sate us for season one. All right, of her, you know, pilot character, the persona. You know, she got to be a little bit of conscience into Cadet Uhura's ear. I think that was you know, really kind of a unsung way to use her in addition to 
uh, poor Hemmer's funeral to, to make those remarks, but, you know, easily the character they could develop more right off the bat. Um, with Uhura, Matt, I mean, again, obviously we know what she becomes, but we, we've seen the alternate future and we've seen the original series and, and now to have her as an ensign and to explore that there um, and, and maybe use some of her musical talents. Yeah. And again, it comes off this list of all these characters have so much potential. And now that we fully understand, and maybe we did, you know, after the, the second episode, but now that we fully understand that the show's flavor is to do kind of character centric episodes, um, I would, you know, I am invested in finding out more about Uhura's um, swap from Cadet, who's not sure if she wants to be in Starfleet, to, you know, do we see her graduating from the Academy? Do we see her, you know, finally getting that letter saying you're officially posting to the Enterprise, you know, whatever it is, just because we know where she's going to end up, that doesn't take away the fun the fun path that that could be on a, a, another uhura episode where it's you know her first step oh wow she's here and then maybe is she making mistakes off the bat is, is she jumping right into the the deep end whatever it might be it's it's welcome territory i think what impressed me the most about this first season was this measured approach to character you know you watch the original series obviously in a totally different era of television but you know you're going to begin with the pike episode we got to understand what his motivation is he is the lead on the show anson mount give you the whole uh rundown with his uh, character's situation coming from star trek discovery and again the amount that this show owes star trek discovery and does not shy away from matt in this first season reminding you, Hey, this enterprise crew, many of them appearing on that other show where they had adventures value added to the back catalog and probably the greatest for my money season of star Trek discovery in season two. Um, but all right, you know, you start with Pike, you get some Spock, you sprinkle in some more number one and, you know, again very very balanced and measured in terms of examining character it is and i think all while leveraging our nostalgia in the best way possible we know pike's end point and we had discussed throughout the season do they change it <laughs> little did we know they're gonna have an episode where the episode says will pike change it and the answer uh is a resounding no so we know his end point but fine that's you know, 10 years out, that's enough time to have the series run its full course, whatever it might be. There are question marks for uh, Ortegas, for Mbenga to a certain degree. Fine, Mbenga shows up in TOS, I think it's season three, um, but he's presumably, clearly away from the Enterprise for, for you know, the core of the Dr. McCoy run. So, so what does that look like? Uh, you know, do we reach a point where and Pete, I don't want any of these characters to be written out, but we saw it with Hemmer. We saw how the show is willing to make some big moves, um, though we widely anticipate 
uh, Bruce Horak returning, in part because Bruce Horak has said, I will be returning, just not as Hemmer. Um, you can't exclude the possibility that part of season two is the the trial of number one, and she still gets put away. Or that something happens to La'an in season three, and she's dead and not coming back. Or Mbenga has whatever emotional thing happened to him and he resigns from Starfleet for a time. There are the characters that you can't move off their path. And then there are the characters whose path is not known. And I think that's where they were so wise in exploring the space with, uh, Ethan Peck's Spock of to bring. And, you know, the amount of that character we got this season, we know where it goes. We know that, She's going to forsake their love for the guy with the dumb haircut, who we also got to see and know their association in this season, and that it's not going to work out. And, you know, who would have figured, Matt, that so much of Spock in this season would be this beneath-the-surface love triangle? Again, it's taking what we know and it's recontextualizing it a bit. It's bringing further depth to it. I think that sometimes people lose track of the the truth of the production of the original series, which is, you know, they were just making an episodic show as they went along. And at a certain point, somebody said, hey, you know what's cool? Uh, submarine movies. What if we did a submarine movie? Uh, but it's in space. And instead of the thing going beneath the water, it kind of would disappear and etc etc and kind of by accident you create a whole culture uh out of the romulans similarly fine there's the spock's secret betrothal episode in tos you know let's explore what what does that actually mean within the tos episode it's like oh yeah since they're emotionless whatever they've just been hanging out in engagement mode for the last bunch of years i guess because that's how you back into doing that story um but now let's look at it in a more modern context, what does that long distance engagement look like? And to have a through line, which is more than one episode. Um, I mean, that's part of the mandate of the show in terms of really, uh, really providing character arc and a realistic character experience. You know, right up front with La'an's introduction, we had the specter of the gone and to get, two episodes there one the aforementioned submarine battle and then the horror episode all those who wander that you know rob us not only of hammer but two other characters introduced in that episode a real toll to that yet you know still so much mysterious about that race that they've essentially made their nemesis for this series I would say, in terms of the production, not a mystery is how quickly they have uh, adapted to and adopted use of their their LED virtual production space, their holodeck. There's only a slight eye roll when I say that. I guess it is pretty cool they're calling it the holodeck. Yes. Um, but just the idea, I know I saw a non-Star Trek special effects crew video thing on youtube and and a pro was kind of like all right let's slow down with all this virtual stuff because it's so much work ahead of time 
okay, let it be work ahead of time. I mean, I know I spent some of the early episodes saying, I am looking carefully. I can see where they're not. I can see in the uh, the singing cave in episode two. I can see where the set ends and the wall begins. Um, and A, are we supposed to be looking that closely? Okay, maybe not. Maybe so. I don't know. But, I mean, Pete, I guess I just knew in the uh in the the second gone episode i guess i just instinct i got him to say it everybody there you go <laughs> i guess i just knew in the second when they were on you know the snowy planet where the, where the ship had crashed i guess i just knew that that of course wasn't real that they weren't on a real snow planet with a real thing crashed in the background um maybe the show got better at hiding use of the led wall i mean all those outside snowy scenes are in the led space so either I stopped looking or they got better. It's probably a case of both. But just the point being, I really feel like they mastered it. I think back to the last season of Discovery, I felt quite aware throughout the season when they were using it. And, and I'm sure there's a learning curve, especially if you're not the ones creating the technology, as is the case with ILM and Mandalorian and all of that. So, you know, they've they've really mastered this well. And you think of all the times and tos and tng in particular where it's like look they're on the same scary planet just the lights in the backdrop are different or they move the foam rocks around or whatever uh, that is gone as it just takes prep ahead of time to say ice planet this planet that planet and to really sell it i mean how dare they matt not actually scuttle a uss peregrine in the background of uh you know the great white north for the viewers at home yeah um well said there and and certainly they've they've mastered this technology but you know again just to look over this list of episodes i i think they gave us everything that we could hope for i don't look back at one of these and say boy i would have liked if they would have done this they checked so many boxes they got to everybody on the crew, you know, the Una arc, the Mbenga arc with his daughter and, you know, the mostly resolved nature of that at this point. Everything they did with Spock and Pring, the introduction of Cybok. I mean, if there's one thing I, I would have liked him to pop up at the end of the season, but knowing that they're coming back to that. Um, knowing that and they've hinted at introductions of Scotty and or others in season two, just that appetizer that this first season is for more. And who knows what we'll know a little under a week from now. Well, I think, Pete, you're speaking to <laughs> the, the idea that they stuck with the structure of the title. Like each week we do visit a different strange new world. Okay, sometimes it's maybe the uh, the asteroid outpost on the Romulan neutral zone and whatnot, but th they're leaning into that conceit that each week really is a different episodic adventure. And you know, I you know, I have nothing but respect for Discovery and it being the the OG for this current this current realm of Star Trek and all of that. Um, but I think that if you're not fully engaged with a, if you're not fully engaged with a season arc, um, 
as maybe I did not love the last season of Discovery and its story arc. Um, if that just doesn't land for you, fine. It doesn't land for you. Um, but that means that you spend the entire season a little, you know, like not loving the fact that we're 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 pursuing X Y Z versus. You know, if you did not care for the tone and conclusion and downer nature of Lift Us, We're Suffering Cannot Reach, uh, okay, that's fine. The next week, what do you have? The next week, you have a space pirate who goes from friend to enemy and, you know, and and pirates taking over the, the, the bridge and things of that sort. And you kind of get to do, the show gets to intentionally say, we left you with a down. Now let's do something silly. All right, we did a silly episode. Now let's do something where maybe we we're gonna have a sad ending with the Elysian Kingdom, with the the father and daughter parted. But we're gonna do it in a way where it's the costume drama. Like there's all of these opportunities here, and it's just the show really has dialed in on how to how to achieve what it wants its tone to be. So many different ways to have fun to really be compelling throughout this season. You know, again, the Serene Squall probably being my favorite just in terms of the the Aspen Angel, you know, game that it, it plays and and then still you don't quite see it coming. And, you know, to to reach back into Star Trek five, the final frontier and to say, all right, we did Michael Burnham, but now we're really going to talk about the uh the odd duckling in the uh spock Sarek family here in in cybok uh he whose name never mentioned um and then that's coming it, it's just a, a great great potential they've hinted they're gonna return to the klingons in season two. Oh, okay i mean we've we've done it with discovery it's it's been a bit since they've done it we reach back into that in the finale, obviously, with the Klingon monks of Boreth and the time crystal. Uh, but, you know, to find out where they're at, maybe we'll get to see uh, some of the characters held over from Discovery in, uh, you know, the the Chancellor there in uh, Laurel, possibly in Ash Tyler. I think that would be a lot of fun to, to see them explored down the line um but yeah just really really looking forward to more to think that we've got a couple series in between to hold us over great discoveries in production on season five right now the one that had been canceled uh well before and yet somehow they're actually making right now i'm being sarcastic uh, but it's a wonderful time to be a Star Trek fan and, you know, Paramount Plus with this epic run that ended this week of all these episodes in a row uh, and Prodigy still hanging out there somewhere. More of it, more of first season still coming. And I think worth mentioning, Pete, with uh, with the uh, international expansion of Paramount Plus. I think it's safe to say that they're the Paramount Plus is here to remain, not here to puff themselves up and then get bought by somebody else. Who knows what corporate twists and turns can unfold? Heck, Pete, maybe they, maybe they announced this weekend, like, oh, we've been bought by Amazon or something like that. But I kind of sense that insofar as uh, the strength of Paramount Inc. is linked to Paramount Plus and the strength of Paramount Plus is linked to 
the Star Trek universe, um, nobody's looking for a whole lot of change in the status quo. And that means a lot of Star Trek and Star Trek continuing to be important to that company. And that's good for good for us. And, and again, if we feel maybe the tone or the energy or the whatever, if we feel that maybe Star Trek Discovery's best season was two or three seasons ago, well, I'm sure there's people who loved season four, and then now there's Strange New Worlds, now there's Picard, now there's all these different shows to, to give different flavors of Star Trek, and we're definitely winners in that. Pete, let's take a look at what listeners thought of the season as a whole. We did our traditional Twitter poll and uh, opportunity for Twitter comments. Uh, the lowest rung, Star Trek Stranger Worlds canceled after season one. Uh, it got 0%, Pete, because even the people who believe most of the lies about Star Trek know that, that one's not true. Uh, felt hammered in, 3.3%. Uh, oh, Captain, My Captain, 13.3%. And Admirable got 83.3%, so high marks indeed. JT Adkins, JTA is me, said, We have so many flavors of Star Trek now, and I'm loving them all. It was a great first season in so many ways, not the least of which is the perfectly cast actors and great stories. Ten-year-old me watching scratchy TOS reruns thinks it's a great time to be a Trek fan. Next up, Spider-Ham Lincoln, Tess LC139. Stranger Worlds will go down in Trek lore as a great series, no matter how many seasons are in its run. Season 1 gets an A- from me. It would have been a solid A+, but for two reasons. They underutilized Hemmer. He had significant screen time in only half the episodes. 2, 3, 4, 8, and 9. And there was one clunker of a story, in my opinion, the Elysian Kingdom. Most everything else was first rate. Sets and costumes, A+. Special effects, A+. Opening theme music, A+. The fact that we know many of the characters will survive long into the Star Trek future did not detract from my enjoyment of the show. I like knowing who they are in this time period, understanding, understanding how they came to be the people they are as they age. Newcomers like La'an and Ortegas might be around for a while. I just wish the same could be said for a certain Enar. I'll enjoy seeing more non-regular legacy characters in the future. Uh, I believe, uh, while I believe there were nine really great stories, my two favorites were, believe it or not, All Those Who Wander, which saw Hammer's End, and Quality of Mercy, Balance of Terror with a Twist of Lime-Colored Time Crystal. <laughs> uh, this season established some good side characters to bring Kyle, Sam, Kirk, uh, Sam Kirk, Mitchell, April. They've set up some brilliant pathways for future stories, Una's Fate, uh, Cybok, J.T. Kirk, The Gorn Threat, just to name a few. Oh, or Pete, as you would say, the gone threat. The gone. Simply put, this was some really great Star Trek. I'm sure the great bird of the galaxy is proud. And last but not least, Strange New Tweets, KCLYLE1 on Twitter, says, Loved it, can't wait for more. Give us seven seasons, and then if you wanted to do TOS, go right ahead. I've seen a lot of that sentiment, and, you know, I, I get it. All right. You know, you have a Kirk now, you have a Spock, all that. Um, we also have an original series. Like if you wanted to spin this off afterward, I don't know, maybe do Captain Lon or, you know, the Ortegas adventures or something like that. Well, Pete, this entire run of star trek strange new world season one of course has been made possible by those who support us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek we always appreciate them uh, being part of the uss fantastic geek fleet 
everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content, all sorts of levels to contribute at. Takes just a dollar a month to get you in that door. Uh, can't contribute this month? Get yourself over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating in seconds, a review in just a little while longer. Uh, all of which help us equally. And certainly, Pete, uh, between now and San Diego Comic-Con, uh, after San Diego Comic-Con, the Star Trek conversation will continue. Will there be Section 31 news? Will they announce a sixth season of Discovery? Uh, Pete, if people have thoughts on that and more, how can they be in touch with you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,642 followers. Can't be wrong. Well, I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost. Do me in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with a PH, all one word, like it today. Pete, looking forward to discussing Ms. Marvel next weekend, She-Hulk in the near future, and whatever big Star Trek news there is out of San Diego Comic-Con next weekend as well. For now, though, time to wrap this season up properly. So I will say adios to all the listeners and give you the final word. Live long and prosper.